If you will, please grab a Bible, grab your Bible, grab your cell phone, and turn to Second Chronicles chapter 24. That's where we'll be coming from this morning. And the reason I want you to grab a Bible is because we've already had one power flicker this morning. And while we know that there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ, there is not always power in our high lines out here. So go ahead and grab a Bible and turn to Second Chronicles chapter 24. So this has been an absolutely amazing year when we look at things that have taken place here at the ministry of Harmony Grove Baptist Church. As I sit back and I looked over it, and I've been doing this over the last two months, I've been absolutely amazed of all the things that have taken place. I sit back and I look and I see how the clothing ministry and storage building has been completed a lot quicker than what I thought it would. And not only that, it was done debt free. I look at the asphalt that was finished, and I'll be honest with you, I was thinking asphalt would be somewhere in 2024, but we look at the asphalt that's been absolutely completely finished and done, and while I know some of you are still getting used to the new striping, um, I just want to remind you the lines are where you park in between, not on top of, um, <laughs> but again, it's completed absolutely debt-free. I think about the downstairs remodel, the completely redone of the floor and painting the wall, what some people have been calling um, something that looks like a medical clinic, because if you walk down the hallway, it is white, 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 and white, and I mean, it, it looks clean, it looks really clean. Don't touch it, please. We don't want your fingerprints on the wall. But again, that was done this year, and again, debt-free. And then we think about the remodeling of our fellowship hall as it was finished this year. While some of it took place last year, it was really finished this year. And again, all of that was done debt-free. Last week, I got a call about our playground. We'll be installed sometime within the first two, within the second or third week of what they're saying in January. And again, that's going to be done debt-free. And I'll be honest with you, that's a lot to accomplish in one year. That is a lot for one church to undertake in one year. And to see all of that accomplished is, it's important. It is important. Because what a lot of people don't understand is these buildings, these buildings that we meet in for corporate worship, these buildings that we meet in to teach the fundamental biblical truths to our children, and these buildings that we meet in to love and encourage one another, they're important. They're extremely important. And it's important that we take care of what God has given us. But at the same time, then I look at other things. And me and Misty were talking about this this week. And for years, it's been my heart to see 10% of our budget go towards mission given. And when you look at our total missions giving for this year, and that, that includes special, special offerings as well, Harmony Grove Baptist Church gave over $60,000 to missions in 2024, which comes about to about between 12 to 13% of what our annual budget is. This is where we equip the saints to do the ministry. 
This is where we gather to encourage one another, to edify one another, to be there for one another. This is where we come together to worship God in spirit and truth as one body of believers. So for anybody who says our buildings aren't important or any building isn't important, that's a lie. But at the same time, we do have to keep some things in, mem- in, in, in focus. This building is only the church when we are here together. Because Jesus said, upon this profession, I will build my church, that Jesus is the Messiah. And you know what? These buildings didn't need to be saved. These buildings have never done anything to lose their salvation or to lose their willingness or effect for God. But at the same time, these buildings serve a major, pro- uh, major purpose. And as I enter my 10th year of pastorate at Harmony Grove Baptist Church, I'm amazed at what God has done in those last 10 years. We went from $200,000 in debt to accomplishing everything that we've done absolutely debt-free. We've got almost 70% of our regular attenders engaged in small groups, whether it be Sunday school or Wednesday night, Tuesday, morning, or Tuesday afternoon, or Sunday evening. That, guys, I want to tell you something. That is a huge, huge step for a church. We've had over 100 baptisms in the last 10 years, which again, that is another amazing step because in Baptist life right now, there is a trend where people are starting to see less and less baptisms. And some of these churches haven't even seen a baptism in 10 years. So for us to be able to be a part of that, that's a major, major thing. But at the same time, we got to realize that none of this come without any struggle. There's been struggles with all of us. There's been struggles in our families. There's been struggle in this family. There's been struggle just in our daily lives. And that is why, just like I said last week, the why to what we do things makes everything extremely important. Me, I know that um, I'm on a group text with a bunch of pastors and it's a bunch of pastors that meet regularly. And I sent out a prayer request this morning at five o'clock telling them to uh, please be in prayer because I had just a couple of hours to preach a sermon. One of the pastors said, just preach what you preached last Sunday. They probably won't remember. Um, <laughs> it's probably not wrong. But anyway, if it wasn't for my notes, I don't think I would remember. But anyway... <laughs> Over the last couple of months, God's really been dealing with a lot of this with me about the why of what we're doing things. And it's funny because a lot of the things that I've been reading in preparation for this next segment of studies that we'll be going through in Matthew, because even though we're in Matthew, we'll be bouncing back to the New Testament, uh, the Old Testament a lot with a lot of references. But a lot of the things that God's been dealing with me with have been about my why. Because I want you to understand something from my perspective, something that I've really been struggling with over this year. This year, I put a lot of effort into seeing these building projects accomplished. And I don't regret it. Hear me out. I don't regret it. I don't neglect it. 
And I think it is a privilege and an awesome, awesome thing to be able to see done. But at the same time, when it comes down to what I've been called to do, it really doesn't have anything to do with buildings. Because when Christ returns, and he will, when Christ returns and he calls his church to be with him, these buildings are staying right where they're at. This asphalt's gonna stay right where it's at. That playground's gonna stay right where it's at. That new floor and that paint, that white, white walls. Now, we'll get, white, we'll get some stuff that's white, 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 but it won't be those walls down there. But it's all staying. And that's where this wrestling with me has come about. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Now, again, it's good for us to think about what's happened this year. It's good for us to take note of all the things that we have seen God accomplish. Because to be honest with you, without God's favor, your generosity, and people coming together in a time to where you can't even get somebody to come pour concrete for your house, a lot of amazing things have happened. And it only come about because of what God's done. But we've got to ask our question this. Why? Are we doing these things? Because really it all goes back, not to just how we start things, but it goes down to how we finish things at the same time. In Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 24, we find a young man, a young man by the name of Joash. And I know some of you have been here for a long, you're very familiar with this story of Joash. But my eyes were open to a lot of realities in this story that I never seen before a little while ago. About not only how Joash come about to be king and how Joash come about to take the collection to do what he did, but also about what happened to Joash after he accomplished all of these amazing things. Because as I read this story to you, if we were to stop at verse 14, this would be an absolute great story. But the problem is the chapter doesn't start, stop at verse 14. Actually, the chapter goes on through. And we're only going to be reading through verse 22 today. But the end of this story is a story of not finishing well at all. And all of us are going into this year, we're wanting to start great, right? We're wanting to start off this year with resolutions, with goals, with things that we want to see in place. But you know, it really doesn't matter how we start things if we don't get to where we want to be. And that's exactly what happened to Joash. So read with me. Second Chronicles chapter 24. Starting in verse one. It says, Now Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Zabiah from Berseda. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehodiah the priest. Keep your finger on verse two because that is very important. He did everything that was right in the sight of the Lord as long as the days of Jehodiah the priest. Jehodiah took two wives for, for him and he became the father of sons and daughters. Now, 
It came about after this that Joash decided to restore the house of the Lord. He gathered the priests and the Levites and said to them, go out to the cities of Judea and collect monies from all Israel to repair the house of your God annually and you shall do, <clears throat> do the matter quickly. But the Levites did not act quickly. So the king summoned Jehodia. And I know I'm messing that up, guys. Bear with me, okay? Normally I have a lot more time to work on these names, but I've got very little time. Jehodia, the chief priest, and said to them, him, why have you not required the Levites to bring in from Judea and from Jerusalem the levy fixed by Moses, the servant of the Lord, on the congregation of Israel for the tent of the testimony for the sons of the wicked and Tahala, the again, sorry about the names. I know I'm butchering them. Y'all want to come up here and read them for me? Come on. Had broken into the house of God and even used the holy things of the house of the Lord for the bells. So the king commanded and they made a chest and set it outside by the gate of the house of the Lord. They made a proclamation in Judea and Jerusalem to bring to the Lord the levy fixed by Moses, the servant of God, on Israel in the wilderness. All the officers and all the people rejoiced and brought in their levies and dropped them into the chest until they had finished. And it came about... Whenever the chest was brought to the king's officers by the Levites, and when they saw that there was much money, then the king's scribes and chief priest officers would come, empty the chest, take it, and return it to its place. Thus they did daily and collected the money. The king and Jehodiah gave it to those who worked who worked the, the service of the house of the Lord and they hired masons and carpenters to restore the house of the Lord and also workers in the iron and bronze to repair the house of the Lord. So the workmen labored and they repair and the repair work progressed in the hands and they restored the house of God according to its specifics and strengthened it. Or specification, sorry. When they had finished, they brought the rest of the money before the king and Jehodiah, and it was made into utensils for the house of the Lord, utensils for the service of the burnt offerings and the pans and the utensils of gold and silver. And they, were off, and they offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehodiah. Stop. Great story. Great story. Let me give you a little background to it before we bounce home. A little background to this is Jehodia was one of the priests that had lived through a very horrible time in Israel's history. Uzziah, who was a king before, had become extremely corrupt. And one of the reasons that he became extremely corrupt was because he may have been king, but the one calling the shots on what was taking place was actually his Mama. And Mama was a very, very wicked woman. 
And a lot of the people saw what Ahaz was doing and seen it as absolutely disgusting, but other people saw it as something that they could take advantage of. And a matter of fact, some of these people that saw that they could take advantage of it come in and killed Ahaz and all of his children except for Joash. Because Ahaz's daughter seen what was taking place and seen the wickedness of her grandmother. And she took Joash and she hid him in the temple. And for seven years, Jehodia would come alongside this young man and would, in essence, raise him. Raise him to be the young man that he is. All this was done to preserve the kingly lineage of David. And guys, we gotta be, be honest here. We need to be thankful this was done because who comes from this kingly lineage of David? Jesus. All of this had a purpose. Even in the most corrupt parts of what was going on, it all had a purpose. And a lot of times it's hard for us to see the purpose in what's going on, but even in this, we can see that God was trying to do something good. Now, during all this time, the temple had become so perverted that it, there was nothing holy about it. Matter of fact, some of the people had even broken into the temple and started using the temple for their own worship. And the worship that they were a part of was, yes, the worship of the pagans, worship of Baal, but there's also another name that we're gonna hear about here in just a few minutes that had become a prominent part of their worship from the Hittites as well. And this temple, even though it was just a building, had become absolutely corrupt. Jehodia, being the priest that he was, tried to do everything in his power to reinstate temple worship. Now understand this. Temple worship was important because at this time, Temple worship was the only way that atonement for sins was made. So if there was not proper temple worship, there was no forgiveness of sin. This is huge. Talking about a time where people had no hope. Talking about a time where people had no assurance of anything better tomorrow. That's what these people were in. Jehodia, being the man that he was, did his best to gather all the Levites. And he put a third of the Levites in charge of the gate, a third of the Levites in charge of, of um, ministering to the people, and a third of the Levites in charge of ministering to the temple itself. And he served as priest. So what we had was the start of a congregation starting to come back. But at the same time, the temple that they were coming back to, it was nothing like it was before. The temple that we're talking about is the Temple of Solomon. And for those who've studied history in any way, shape, or form, you probably heard that there is nothing that can compare to the temple that Solomon built. A temple of solid gold. A temple of absolute beauty a temple that rivaled any other complex that was built before. 
a place that used to be so beautiful, so great, and even so powerful, had become nasty, corrupt, and wicked. Joash, being raised by Jehodiah, seen what he was trying to do. And now that he's put in place as king, God's word says that he decides, he decides to restore the temple. Not a thing in the world wrong with that, is there? Many of us who love history, and I'll admit, I love history more as an adult than I did as a kid. I used to hate Mr. Durbin's history class. I couldn't stand it. Economics class with Mr. Gribble was probably the most boring thing I've ever experienced before in my life. But at the same time, now as I've got older, I love the history of what we come from and how we've got to where we are. Because our history is important. And to Joash, the history of Israel had become important because now he's in charge. Now he's in charge of this little group of people, pretty large group of people actually. And what does he want to do? He wants to pay respect to the God of their forefathers, to the God of their ancestors, and rebuild the temple. And he does it by reinstating the levy. The levy or temple taxes it was called, to rebuild it. Now I want you to see, think about this for a minute, because the first way that he does it, I'm not gonna question his motives, but I will question the way he went about doing it. Because you know, there is a wrong way to do the right thing. Get what I'm saying? There is a wrong way to do the right thing. So the first people that he goes to is he goes to the priest and he says, here is what you are going to do. Man, I get this all the time. Tommy gets this all the time. We get people coming to us and tell us, this is what you need to do. God spoke to me that this needs to be done. Have you ever considered this? If God speaks something directly to you that something needs to be done, maybe he wants you to do it. You ever thought about that? Because not always, God don't always speak on that channel that he speaks on with you. Sometimes he speaks on a different channel. And I love it when people come about and say, we need to start this ministry. We need to start this ministry. We need to start this ministry. And I'll just look at them now and I'll say, that's great. How are you going to do it? Oh, no, we want you to do it. Guys, I love you. I will hear you out. But at the same time, you've got to understand something. Tommy has a purpose here at Harmony Grove. I have a purpose here at Harmony Grove. Jerry has a purpose here at Harmony Grove. And it may not be what God wants you to do. But if God tells you to do it, it's a good indicator that you're the one who wants to do it. It says that Joash decided that he was going to rebuild the temple. So who should have been the one doing it? Joash. But typical to most people, he, everybody can say he delegated it. You can call it that if you want to, but he put off what God put on his heart to do. And guess what happens? The Levites didn't buy into it. 
Matter of fact, when he sees that they don't buy into it, he goes to Jehodiam, the guy, the Jeho- Jehodia, the guy who had taken care of him for seven years, who raised him, who cared for him, who loved him, who had even crowned him as king. He goes to him and starts ridiculing and rebuking him for the Levites not moving on what he told them to do. Now get me on this. I know Joash was king. But at the same time, when it comes to all of us, we've got to realize that there is a king beyond any earthly king. And while we can do what we can to keep peace with earthly kings, we've got to remember, who do we serve? We serve a heavenly king. We serve a mighty king. We serve a victorious king. And we serve a forever king. That's important. But I want you to notice what happens. As soon as Joash takes the initiative to do what God evidently laid on his heart to do. He has a chest built. Instead of putting a demand on the people that you will do this, he places this chest in the front of the gate. And when he puts out the decree about what he's trying to do, what happens? The chest is flooded. The chest is absolutely flooded with money, with gold, with silver, with anything that could be sold. And it's all done for the purpose of the temple. You know what's funny to me? One thing that stuck out to me on this is everybody loves a building project. You ever notice that? Everybody loves a building project. And I get it. I get it. I get why everybody loves a building project. Because a building project, you get to see things done. You get to see things get finished. You get to see the start of it. You get to see it work up to what it is. And you get to see something actually completed. And this is why we all love building projects. Because it makes us feel good about what we're doing. Because we can actually see the fruits of our labors. But at the same time, we've got to understand this. The ministry that we offer to our Lord and Savior is not something that we always see the results of on this earth. But the ministry that we serve to our Lord and Savior is something that we will be able to take with us. And while we can't take these buildings with us, we can take the attributes and the things that we do to serve him. A lot of people will say, well, who was right and who was wrong on this? Was Joash right because he wanted to restore the temple? Yes. Was Jehodiah right because he really didn't put an emphasis on this? He made his emphasis what he was supposed to do? Yes. So neither one are right or wrong. And the key thing to understand is this, is everybody has a purpose. And not everybody's purpose is the same. We all have a spot to fill when it comes to working for God's kingdom. And my spot's not going to look like your spot, but that doesn't mean that your spot's not any more important than my spot. All of our spots when it comes to worshiping our Lord and Savior are important. 
If this story stopped right here, it would be one of the best stories in the Bible. But unfortunately, we go on to verse 15. Now when Jehodiah reached a ripe old age, he died. He was 130 years old at his death. They buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done well in Israel and to God and his house. This is where I can tell you without a doubt that I know that Jehodiah was holding to what he was supposed to do. Because one of the things that we see in the Bible is that a long life is a symbol of God's favor. A long life is a symbol of God's favor. And you know, what's crazy is we've had some people that have lived to, uh, we've had quite a few people that have lived to 100 in this church. So you might want to join soon. Just saying. But we've had a lot of people who've lived to the ripe age of 100. And I sit there and I think about that. I'm like, Man, if I live to 100, what am I going to do with the other 54 years of... I'm right, no? No, 53. Man, they're going down. But what am I going to do with the rest of those years? But that is a symbol of God's favor. So that's how I know that God, Jehodiah, was following what God wanted him to do. But I want to show you what happens when you misalign yourself with what God wants you to do as well. Because going on in verse 17, it says this, but after the death of Jehodiah, the officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king and the king listened to them. All the people, all the high officials of Jerusalem came and bowed down to the king. Joash. And you know what happens when you bow down to somebody? Really what you're doing is you're showing them respect. But you know what respect will always get you in return? It'll get you their ear. Whenever you show somebody respect, I can guarantee you this, you will always gain their ear. Anybody who's respected by somebody, they will listen to the people that respect them. So, What did the king do? He listened to him. And unfortunately, this was a demise for him. Because look what happens in verse 18. They abounded the house of God and the God of their fathers, and they served Asherim. We'll get into that in a minute. And the idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this this their guilt. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. Though they testified against them, they would not listen. Listen to this. Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, the son of Jehodiah, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus God has said, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord and do not prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord. He has also forsaken you. So they conspired against him and they commanded the king. Notice who they commanded. They command of the king and at the command of the king, 
They stoned him to death in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus, Joash, the king, did not remember the kindness of his father, Jehoiada, had shown him, but he murdered his son. And he died, as he died, this is what Zechariah said, may the Lord see and avenge. Long story short, you know what happens to Joash? He doesn't live a long life. Matter of fact, it's not very long after this that some of the people that he had conspired with to take the whole temple worship thing and pervert it, some of those same people conspire against him and have him killed as well. And as I'm reading this, I'm I'm sitting here thinking about this. Because up to verse 14, This is a great story of a young man who has a zeal beyond anything that I've seen today to do something for the house of God that nobody else was willing to do. He wanted to restore it. He wanted to bring it back to its glory. He wanted to see it just as beautiful as Solomon saw it when it was built. And then after it's built, After its back in practice of temple worship, he takes it, he listens to the people, the people of the world around him, and he perverts it. And notice in there it said that they returned to the worship of Ashram. And in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 21, it mentions this name very specifically. And Moses gives a command in this because this was something that evidently had either happened or he was saying it was going to happen. They would take these poles called Asherah poles. And these poles were to symbolize this goddess, this goddess deity of Asherah, who was in Hebrews' mind, the goddess of fertility. And they would take these poles and they would place them by the altars that they had made for God. Now what happens when you take another God and try to interact it with the only God? What happens? It don't work. We've got this little French bulldog. She is the cutest thing. I love her. I want to bring her to church one day. Um, Jennifer won't let me, because she would not sit still. But while she is the sweetest, cutest, prettiest little dog, and I know your dog's pretty too, but they're not as pretty as mine. Um, My dog does very well as long as she is by herself. You put her with another dog and she's not pretty. She is not sweet. She is not kind. She is not tame. Matter of fact, her and another dog just don't get along. It's going to end up in a fight because she thinks everything belongs to her and the other dog thinks everything belongs to them. And all it does is cause chaos. But that's the same thing when we try to bring idols into our life. Because what you worship, what you worship is to whom you belong. 
Are you tracking with me? What you worship is to whom you belong. Well, Scotty, what do you mean by worship? Worship is your praise or obedience or desire to please something. Our desire is to please God, correct? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Our desire is to please God. Has God given us direct commands to follow? When we disobey those commands, are we worshiping? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. When we disobey God's commands, we are worshiping. We're just worshiping something else. We're either worshiping an object, an ideal, or even ourselves. And see, this happens today in the church a lot because we have a why behind what we do here. But at the same time, there comes some times when we try to interject some of the things that are out there into what we do right here. And you know, if you read Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and all these other books, and I know some of you are gonna start your Bible reading plans. You're gonna start reading about all these laws and you're gonna think about why are all these important? Most of these laws go back to keep what is here, here, and allow nothing else to be here. This is the place for God. This is the place to which we come together and worship. This is his house, and it doesn't belong to anyone else. What had happened was Joash had forgot the why behind what he did. He did this to praise and worship God. But when he forgot the why to what he was doing, he allowed other things to be brought back in. And what happens? The temple becomes perverted again. And you know, I know everybody's saying, well, temple worship is a lot different from then to now. Yeah, it is. It is because now we don't have a temple. Now we have this. Because we are told by Paul that don't you know that your body is the... So if our body is the temple and we know we don't have to have another sacrifice because Jesus Christ was the final sacrifice, how are we worshiping in these? This is why this has been so heavy on my heart over the last two months. Because my worship to God is my direct obedience to do what he's called us as a church to do. We all know what he's called us to do. It's not, I mean, y'all have heard it from me so many times it's not even funny. Go, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you forever even to the ends of the earth. 
That is our command. And I know some of you will say, well, Scotty, that may be your command, but that's not my command. And I'm gonna tell you a reality. If that's not your command, then you need to do some direct talking with Jesus Christ and really make him your Lord and Savior. Because that command was to everybody who says that he is Savior. It wasn't just to some, it was to everybody. And see, this is where the conflicts come in with me. Because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, Scotty, you're such a hypocrite. You're such a flipping hypocrite. You're sitting here telling these people to go baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and remember that I'm with you to the end of the age. And all of 2023, all you've been focused on is buildings. This year we baptized six people. I'm thankful for those six people. I'm really thankful for those six people. Because you know what? Those six people mean something to God. But our true worship to God is for us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, pleasing to Him. And our true worship is about focusing on what He desires, on what He wants, and what He has for us to do. And if we're not doing that, then all this work that we've done to these buildings are nothing different than Joash did. If we're really not putting these buildings to the use that they're supposed to be used for, his purpose, his glory, the end of our story will be just like his. So here we go, beginning again because I feel like I'm rehashing the same things over and over again. But at the same time, this year's proved a point to me. Whatever's important to the pastor is true. The congregation notices and they make it important to them. And I don't want you to sit here and say, well, Scotty's gonna neglect the buildings. Nope, got more projects we'd like to see done. Four years still got to be done. We'd like to enclose the porch because our four years too small. But at the same time, why are we doing it? Are we doing it for our glory? Or are we doing it for his? And while we're doing it, are we going and making disciples? Because that is our command. We can fail at everything else and hold to that. And in God's eyes, he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But if we don't succeed at that and we succeed at everything else, is it really important? Father, before you and before this congregation, I do repent. Well, I know these buildings are important, God. Because these buildings are the place where we come to corporately worship you.
This place is where we come, Lord, to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. These facilities are where we do the mission that you have called us to do. At the same time, Lord, we know that these buildings, without a why, they're just buildings. Father, forgive me for losing sight of your why. Because your why is what fuels the mission of the gospel to go out to the ends of the earth. Your why, Lord, is what gave us salvation by sending your son to die for our sins. Your why is the love that you've shown for us even when we were absolutely unlovable. But your why is also why we need to be extending that same grace and mercy and love to the world that we're in contact with. Father, thank you for all that you've allowed us to see get done. But at the same time, help us to remember that without a why, it's all pointless. Help us to remember, God, why you came for us and why you came for this world. And help us to be obedient and truly worshiping you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.